Hey, this is Eugene Rapkin, and you're listening to the Style Zeitgeist Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Eugene, and we're back with our good friend, Filippo Hashemi, fashion critic, journalist, coach, uh, to discuss, as is our tradition, the fall-winter season of women's fashion. Uh, welcome, Philippe. Hello, Eugene. Thanks for having me again. I'm delighted to be with you today and to talk to you. My pleasure. This is like, I mean, we go back, we go back so far, but every time we reconnect, it's just like an, uh, an old friend. Like it's so familiar now. Um, I apologize for the quality of my voice to the audience. Um, I'm back from two weeks in Japan, which were which was amazing to be in a country where like people care about how they, what they wear. It was so nice. Um, just people watching. They're so stylish. It's amazing. Uh, but it did take a toll on me. Um, and now I think I'm paying for it in the, with a little bit being at like 90, 85% of my uh, immune system, but it's okay. But it's okay. So this time, uh, I did not go to Paris, but you were there yes. um, physically. So, but I did look at as much as I could. So, I think as is our tradition, I mean, it's worth starting in Milan and going over a few shows there before we move on to Paris. And I know people are anticipating our opinions on several things, including. Ludovic de Sansonin's uh, debut at Andermillimister and Demna's uh, cleanse. You know the the Dem the, the Demna the, dilemma. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Demna's juice cleanse. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but we'll get to those in due time. Um, so, let's start with uh, Milan, and uh, I guess you know. Gucci's uh, second collection without Michele and without a head of uh, without a head figure, I guess, without a titular figure. That was was. Uh, what did you think? Well, the opening look of the show was, uh, you know, uh, a logo Swarovski micro bra worn with a skirt, and I thought it was kind of trashy, and it was sort of like in your face, and I felt okay. So this is where we're going. So, you know, it, it, it's a sort of like a, a clumsy way to reintroduce sex into the brand because that's something we discussed before. Sex was not part of Alessandro Michele's language. Correct. And, uh, you know, there's still some people who are nostalgic for Tom Ford's era. So I think mm -hmm. you saw it in the bags as well. There were horse bit bags again, tapping into this nostalgia, you know, of early 2000, late 90s, you know, always the same yeah. stuff. and. It just felt like a very random collection, a very random message of, of you know, disparate things to try to catch your attention, but there was no coherence, no running thread, no real story. So it just felt shallow and, and you know, quite boring. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was my, uh, you know, my take on Gucci and its lack of direction and its lack of storytelling, of voice, of ownership. Right now, mm -hmm. it's just floating, you know, so we have to wait and see who's going to come with a strong statement and a strong voice. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I had the same reaction. I was like, this is just vulgar and crass. Vulgar, uh, but not funny, you know. It, it was not. It didn't have a yeah. sense of humor. It was mm. really sort of in your face and, and also a bit like, a bit pornographic but i think it's that thing about flesh as well in this full winter runways i mean we'll discuss it later for yeah. paris sometimes yeah. there was more flesh than actual clothing and that's also yeah. something i didn't really understand what that yeah. message was about but okay it's grabbing your attention you know straight away yeah. so yeah it is amazing uh just to go back to japan for a moment it was amazing to see uh everyone dressed so cool without any hint of flesh bearing like they just don't go in for that no you know and it was amazing whereas in new york girls will be wearing like a crop top with the puffer jacket on top open in the winter yeah and and this is where like this is where we add like as a culture <laughs> yeah there's like, a completely different relationship to the body and you know the whole concept of of seduction and eroticism and and i think in japan it's much more of a subtle codified thing you know so yeah uh yeah in a way it's more restrained but i mean restraint mm. can also be exciting and sexy you know so it's uh it's yeah it's a very different vision Mm, yeah definitely. exactly exactly there is you know, what i was thinking that there is no more room for imagination when everything mm. is so on display and in yeah. a way like all this like flash becomes boring i'm like it was so funny we were in kyoto and there was some girl tiktoking in front of a buddhist temple like you know and i looked at her and i was like well you have a standard issue influencer ass like <laughs> it's so, it's so ubiquitous by now that it's not even like like a nice body is so ubiquitous by now it's not even like it doesn't even cause like a reaction mm -hmm. anymore i'm like okay whatever you have nice abs so like a, another thousand girls i see you know every day in new york it's kind of strange but anyway yeah let's go back um yeah so yeah flash is everywhere and it was everywhere in the runway and yeah like was said before there there is an interesting way to do it i think if if it know. makes sense for the collection i mean you know like for mm -hmm. example uh anthony vaccarello at saint laurent did show legs and he did show mm -hmm. shoulders and everything but it was about the tailoring it was about the line of the body and it was about power so it was not the same kind of femininity and it was not something that was supposed to be in your face actually right. i thought the saint laurent show was really interesting that way because it really gave me that feeling of power you know mm -hmm. that uh, that the brand stands for because he took if saint laurent took menswear and then he gave it to women you know as a yeah as a gift and he liberated them that way just the same way coco chanel liberated women from the corset you know it's yeah. the same story and i felt it was uh, at the beginning i was a bit like oh this is a bit too 80s for me but mm -hmm. once i got into it i was i thought yeah that's quite smart it's it's a collection yeah. about power and it felt quite yeah. strong yeah i agree and i don't know what happened there over there it's it's saint laurent but like 
two seasons ago, all of a sudden, we we're like, oh, these are really beautiful collections. Yeah. Very elegant. Yes. Uh, much less in your face. And yeah, much more about tailoring and, and the garment. And Yeah. And you know and what? It's woman. actually quite Belgian when you think about it because there's a mm-hmm. restraint. I mean, yeah. you used to do things that were much more much more sexual and much more overt but now it feels more rigorous it feels more strict you know and there's something about that that's also very appealing because it's more about again eroticism than pornography you know exactly yeah yeah exactly and which uh, is a big something we need to differentiate mm -hmm, completely yes eroticism leaves room for imagination fantasy and and mystery and anticipation and porn does none of those things no no and it's true that the saint laurent show encapsulated a certain kind of confidence that people might want to emulate and copy you know now i don't know Mm -hmm. how many can get away with these shoulders and i don't know how many of these shoulders will be produced but, you know, it was a strong statement. And if you think about times of crisis, like the 40s, for example, big shoulders were also important because women were, you know, uh, working, they had to support their families, their men were away, there was a war, and, you know, they had to be strong, they had to be tough. And I feel that it's really echoing the mood that we're in right now. It's about protection and strength. And it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was beautiful, I thought. It was a beautiful coherent linear statement which is what many collections don't do anymore you know right they sort of offer too many things for everyone and you lose that sort of singular thread in the shows but vaccarello is becoming very good at this like he has one yeah. message he's very clear about it he delivers it and it's it's beautiful Yeah, yeah, I agree. This has been like a very strangely pleasant turnaround. (laughs) From the beginning, yes, it changed completely. From the beginning, and uh, yeah, and proof to those who say like, oh, you know, you just like haters, like, no, like when it's good, it's good. Yeah, yeah when it's about when it's about the clothes you know and, and, and that's the thing it. i mean at the end of the day what you remember is the graphic strong lines of the silhouette mm-hmm. and what he proposed and the message and of course the setup was beautiful and you had the chandeliers and it was an homage to the couture shows but it was it felt modern and it felt like something exciting for a girl to try because let's face it how many girl wear skirt suits today i mean nobody yeah. So, uh, you know, it's almost like teasing that generation and just showing them how uh, eroticism can be thought of in a different way. So I thought it was mm-hmm. quite smart. It was quite clever. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I really like that line of thinking, Philippe. I really do. Like, it gives me hope that there will be a certain return to some kind of elegance. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because, but yeah. This is what really is lacking right now. Elegance and honesty, you know, I think it's also, I felt, this time it was interesting, I really felt there was a strong divide in Paris between designers who are just feeding the spectacle, feeding the frenzy, the buzz, you know, that sort of Mm -hmm. shallow circus thing, and others that are really focused on, on beautiful clothing and on something that has integrity, that has truth, that has a reality behind it. 
And, uh, you know, Dries, Dries von Norton's show really moved me that way because it was just extraordinary clothes. And it felt like clothes you've had forever, you know, clothes yeah. that you've loved for such a long time. And he talked about intimacy after the show. So it was about the relationship we have with the garments that we love the most. But to me, it felt also about delivering genuine clothing and, and genuine fashion, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, is much more efficient than all this stupid noise that we see coming from yeah. other brands because some of the collections were really grotesque in Paris. Yes. I mean, there were a few yes. collections. I, I couldn't yeah. believe what I was looking at. <laughs> we'll get to them shortly. I mean, I since we're in Andres, I thought this was his best collection in a while. I mean, it was absolutely stunning. And and it's what you say, it was it was very like Flemish, Belgian, Northern kind mm -hmm. of thing, yes. like restrained, but absolutely gorgeous in its executions, like all the like the bronzes and the silvers and the flowers and it and the tailoring was just really incredible i mean he really killed it this time i was like i went i went to i think i saw it three times the photos uh because it was, it just was really incredible pressure. i mean i actually took time to go to the showroom a few days after the show to see the garments and it was so opulent you know mm -hmm. but it, but it, but in a kind of Again, in a 90s way, there was this feeling of, you know, shabby chic and, and mm -hmm. something a, a bit, a bit kind of, um, like faded glory, you know, like it was this beautiful, poetic, northern soul feeling that you, that you have. And it was also melancholic in a way. And that really came across yeah. in the show. There was a, a sort of, you know, wintry melancholy in the clothes. And I thought it was, it was really incredible. I mean, it really touched me. You know, and, yeah. and quite a few people actually were crying uh, at the really? show, which, yeah, which was amazing. I mean, yeah. it was just, you know, it was about the clothes. I mean, that's the thing. It was really about mm -hmm. the clothes. And I think Dries is very good at turning out something that is fresh but familiar at the same time. He always finds a balance. He, he doesn't push you too hard, you know. He gives yeah. you something that is appealing, that is seductive but at the same time he he keeps you in this sort of comfort zone you know he doesn't mm -hmm. push too hard so i think it mm -hmm. it felt like a nice statement for for the times yeah. that we're living right now it was it was wonderful yeah wonderful yeah. collection no, no, i agree once i saw the photos i was like oh i wish i was there <laughs> and very margella in in a good way you know, mm -hmm. very, there were patchwork, uh, sweaters, there was pinstripe tailoring, oversized jackets. I felt it, it was a strange homage to Margiela, you know, some of his signatures. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was quite unexpected coming from, uh, yeah, from yeah. Dries. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was really great. I love when he can. I mean, I love when he does an explosion of color, but I really love when he can take that skill and tone it down just enough to make that a collection like we saw. Yeah, that yeah. was definitely a highlight. Um, but to, to go back to Milan, I know we jumped a bit, but it's okay. Um, I had a strange reaction to Prada because... Like I did, I did not hate it. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I was wondering why, like, there were. Uh, there were some pretty, like there were some pretty pieces mm -hmm. uh, where I thought, oh, th this is nice. But ultimately, it didn't amount to much. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I was trying to put my finger on it. And I think it was a lack of color because everything was so gray. Mm -hmm. And we know product can do gray, but it's always surrounded by this like whimsy of color yeah and and what that and whimsy was what was lacking it was really like a lack of whimsy and i was just like is ralph's idea just like to bore us to death so we don't even can't even like master a reaction anymore it was like yeah okay you know this is fine <laughs> but not worth really <laughs> it, it kind of felt old to me it felt old and it, it felt like it was for an older client and also, you know, there were things that were cute, like some of the skirts were nice, but then sometimes mm -hmm. I was thinking, oh my God, this is comme des garçons, it's bizarre, you know, like this kind of 3D flower shapes on big skirts and things like that. I felt mm -hmm. it was very, in a way, very Kawakubo and, and sort of trying to make that look conceptual. But, you know, my main problem with with Pravda, if we can call it like that, <laughs> is is the lack of, of sexuality and the lack of seduction. Yeah. I mean, it's not enticing. It's not playful. It's mm -hmm. not seductive. It's sort of like, you know, devoid of any kind of um, wit. And, and, you know, it's very sort of very flat in a way, very kind yeah, of... Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. it's flat even when it's pretty, even when it's like, oh, you know, this is nice actually, but it's no more than, than that. No, and I just feel like there's a real change between what's going on now at Prada, the vision of Prada, which has become quite clinical in a way. It's quite cold, quite clinical, and what she used to do before. Uh, which I don't know was more female to me. It was more kind of, mm. you know, more impulsive, more. And, and strangely, I think Miu Miu has become more Mucha than Prada. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I feel that Miu Miu is, is more her in a way, more her kind of provocations and what she likes yeah. and how she likes to play with tastes. But, you know, yeah. Prada is big business now, and they have to appeal to as many people as possible. So that's just yeah. that's just how it is. Yeah, it sure is, and it is everywhere. I have to say, see a lot of Prada it's bags. Selling. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you could yeah. say the same about Dior. There's there's nothing risky about it. True, there's true, nothing adventurous, true. and it verges on the frumpy very often. Yeah. you know, and this yeah, Dior yeah. collection was one of the worst that she's ever ever made I mean, it was, was so really bad. depressing <laughs> it was like 50s housewife you know xanax yeah. depression i mean it was yeah. just horrible but it's made for housewives it's made it's yeah. for rich housewives yeah, yeah, that's yeah. who buys it yeah like they know their market well yeah but it was completely uninspiring and and you know it was funny how i don't know if you looked at your the set was so intricate and so expensive and elaborate and they had spent you know hundreds of thousands on that set and the clothing next to it looked like nothing so it's yeah. like this very interesting contrast between 
the set overpowering the clothes, mm -hmm. uh, which again was quite unfortunate. But you know, yeah. I mean, you know how I feel about Maya Grazia. I think she's just terrible. Uh, yeah, terrible designer. <laughs> no. It's the funny thing is like no one really likes what she's doing, but it's selling like crazy, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Um, and it really you can see in both in her and Kim Jones too how they're using the sets. Well, and we'll get to too, but them as well. How they're like really using the sets more and more to hide the fact that the clothes are so mediocre. Like mm -hmm. they try to over awe you with the sets and yeah. It, but it's what we always say is that you know you, you go back to someone like McQueen, like the the spectacle of the set was to complement the clothes not it was a to complete hide. fusion between the yeah. two it was like an you know it was a very i mean they complemented each other beautifully every time and it worked because i don't know the clothes were just as strong at the end of the day you know as the set i mean that's the thing with mcqueen and if I think about some of his shows, it was just like the you were immersed into his world, into his thoughts. You know, it's mm -hmm. really powerful. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, who does that today? Who honestly does that today? I mean, I can't think I of anybody know. able to do that. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead, we have these like Caperni tricks. No, we have Nina Ricci. That's Project Runway. <laughs> yeah, with Harris Reid, the future of you know whatever. American uh, British fashion. I don't know. It's the future. God, of fashion. That was so horrible. <laughs> How bad was that? That was grotesque. And you know, a lot of people in Paris had no problem talking about how horrible it was. Oh, really? That's good. Yeah. And uh, but the funny thing is that you know, you you really have to look at this guy. He's so confident and he's so cocky and he's just so sure of himself. Mm -hmm. That, you know, it's almost, I just don't understand that generation. They're so entitled yeah. and they are so convinced that whatever they do is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I just think there's such a lack of humility there. You know, it's like, yeah. come on, you know, I mean, look at what well, you, look at what you send down the runway. What yeah. is this? You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I read somewhere recently, I escapes who said it, but. It used to be fake it till you make it. And now like faking it is making it. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. And yeah. you know what I was thinking as well, but for me, this is part of this spectacle porno discourse is that mm -hmm. some fashion shows increasingly look like reality TV. So that, you yeah. know, the clothing that you see in all these like fashion Netflix shows and everything is the clothing you see in Paris now in certain yeah. collections and the models who, you know, the Hadid and all these people who became famous thanks to reality TV are now also in this program. So it's like this mm -hmm. kind of bizarre, you know, um, invasion of reality TV in, into fashion. It's contaminating yeah. fashion. It's so true. It's yeah. so true. Every, everything is converging. Everything is converging into reality tv and this celebritification of everything yes you know we see this with pharrell go appointed mm -hmm. to head louis vuitton man yeah. and and i would argue they have appointed virgil for the same reason that they appointed pharrell because he was already a celebrity you know his persona mm. was more important than the clothes yeah. he made yes pharrell is just like 
years is the same thing. <laughs> yeah, and and it's the same thing. And the funny thing is that you know he's he's actually older. I mean, he's mm -hmm. not you know he's not in his twenties or in his thirties. Yeah. So, I mean, there's absolutely no risk uh, behind this this decision. I mean, it's actually very safe because how could yeah. they go wrong with him? You know, exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I mean, it's going to be complete like continuation of elevated streetwear. Mm -hmm. uh, just fine. It is what it is. But yeah, I like what you, I like that line of thought that it's like reality TV. Everything is like reality TV in everything. Like this celebrity fashion industrial complex is really it has really overpowered everything yeah. and. Uh, you know, we might as well get into that now of this grotesque uh, debut of Ludovic de Saint-Sernin for Andy Millimeter. And what was grotesque was not even the show itself, which was bad, but what came after this whole, you know, because mm. the, the Oscars and Grammys were right after and this whole like dressing celebrities yeah in into and like and when when i uh saw was it kendall jenner then they posted oh kendall jenner wearing and mr oscar i was like this is it for me <laughs> it's I'm, over I'm just, <laughs> yeah i yeah i was just like that's my cue to unfollow you on instagram because mm. i'm not interested anymore in in what you have to say because you've already said everything and listen this is a business decision. This this is a conscious business decision to say we no longer care about existing Andy Millimeter um, audience, yeah, mm -hmm. customers. We we don't care about you. We've made a conscious decision to pursue another you know customer, a new customer, and the way we're going to do it is to go the same route that all the big brands do. You know, we're going to court celebrity. We're going to put them in front row. We're going to dress them, pay them to wear the clothes. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, whether it will work, the jury is out because I am not convinced that it will work, but I'm, I'm also not convinced that it won't work because who knows? I mean, the power of celebrity is big but i just wonder how will it really register in in the minds of the consumer because you know kendall jenner changes outfits for money every single day and mm. like if she wears but you know i don't know balenciaga balmain 20 times and wears n once like are those girls going to go for Andy Millimister or are they going to go for LVMH and caring brands? Yeah, it's, I mean, these are very good questions. Um, I, I keep thinking if I was a fashion student today and I looked at those appointments, you know, I would really think, God, why am I spending so much money uh, getting mm -hmm. a fashion education where I should just hang out and do drugs with celebrities and maybe that would that would get me ahead faster you know and get me yeah. the, the dream job that i want and, and recently i interviewed a designer uh in paris who told me this you know he said i i don't do that i don't socialize with 
Dua Lipa and I don't do drugs with certain people and I don't try to um, to become friends with certain editors because I'm not a whore. And I believe right. that you don't have to be a whore in order to make it in this business. But, you know, it's become very, very crass how it's mm -hmm. all about entourage, celebrities, name dropping, people that you know. And again, it's about privilege. That's the thing that is really yes. shocking. You know, we keep yeah. talking about this thing that privilege is over and that, you know, it, it's no, gone away it's from not. fashion. It, it's worse than ever. Oh, worse yes, than ever. Exactly. I mean, if you look at Ludovic and if you look at Harris, they are white, they are extremely well-connected. You mm -hmm. know, they know very powerful and influential people. Their families are also uh, creative families with a lot of connections. So who are we fooling here? You know, it's depressing. I mean, yeah. If I was a fashion student today, I, I would really think like, what is the point? I mean, you know, what is the point of yeah of doing this? You know. No, I agree, and I I was looking at all the Instagram comments under like the Ansible Mister posts, and it was all Ludovic's sycophantic friends. Oh my yeah. god, this is amazing! And like sending hearts to each other for like a thousand posts. A thousand comments under like each end of millimeter post. I was like, this is so fucking gross. Uh, yeah, and it, like it, you know, the circle jerk. <laughs> yeah, it is. But at the end of the day, you know, that's I used to work for an editor who's, who's, you know, publishing quite a nice magazine. And what he does all day is put hearts, you know, on, on mm. people's posts, you know, just kissing ass, yeah. you know, kissing yeah. ass the whole time. And and I just think it's there's something about it that is just so degrading, you know. It's it is. degrading, and I think you don't have to be this way, and you don't have to behave like that yeah. to be in yeah. fashion. But for designers, it's becoming increasingly a problem because you know yeah. how how do you become successful then? You know, do you have to produce? Uh, do you have to be part of the circus and, and produce these ugly clothes mm -hmm. to get noticed? Or do you actually yeah. try to do something that has substance and, yeah. and that is interesting? You know, it, it's a big problem, I think, for that yeah. generation. No, How do they I agree. position themselves, you know, in, in yeah. the industry today? It's, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you, you can only be just like an established brand who's doing well to say no. Like, this is why I respect the comp family so much for that reason. They don't give a fuck about celebrities. Then don't invite them. Yeah. They're like, you're not here to work. You know, buyers are here to work and editors are here to work. The show mm -hmm. is for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there are many ways, you know, there are many brands I can think of who don't, who don't play the celebrity game and, you know, uh, who have built, you know, unviable uh, businesses. But it's, yeah, it's uh, when you see the, the sort of, when you see the strength of the spectacle and when you see how people are drawn to it and how people don't mm -hmm. even think about what they're looking at, they're just too busy praising whoever they're praising. It's, yeah. It's really, really scary. I think it's kind yeah. of, you know, and again, it's whoever shouts more than the other one and whoever comes yeah. with the most grotesque thing to show. Yeah. And that's how you get attention. Yeah. And that's, that's quite sad. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you what else I've been thinking about in a minute, but I was looking at the collection and were you at the show? Which one? At the Antimillimister. No, I didn't go. No, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I understand. Uh, 
and like the first dozen of looks i was like okay it's it's not so bad like i i can see where he's going there are archival pieces that are reworked they kind of made slick because that's what he does and then it was just went like horribly downhill like all this well like you said there were no clothes there was one cut of skirt in different fabrics and colors there was like there was one look i think with the coat (laughs) like this is a fall winter collection where are the clothes yeah exactly no and there was covering your breasts walking down the runway. I mean, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Who gives a shit? I mean, yeah. you know, if you want to do nudity, then do nudity. I mean, people did it so much better beforehand, yeah. Yeah. you know, and it, it's it's not even shocking. It's just yeah. pathetic, you know, like don't do something like that. I mean, give us actual clothing, you know, it's embarrassing. Right, you know? exactly. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, and he will say, oh, it's homage to Anne. But when she did it, it would be like one model from the entire collection. And when yeah, that and she didn't do it every it single be... season. Yeah, either, exactly. You know? yeah. Exactly. So it had yeah. impact when it came out. It had impact because yes. it was so rare and you and you were startled. And there was a beauty to it, a defensive, like a kind of a... It has meaning, you know, that's yeah. the thing. I mean... A romance... And it and has meaning because romance. it's poetic and because in Anne's world, it's about vulnerability. It's about strength also. It's about the paradoxes and the contrasts mm-hmm. everyone has. And it's beautiful and it's poetic. It's not, it's not pornographic. It's not nudity. It's not flesh. You know, it has a reason to exist. And I feel that with Ludovic, it's just about flesh. It's just about, yeah. you know, it's this underbelly thing. It's just, you know, like kicking you right in the balls. I mean, that's what it's yeah. about. It's creating that instant reaction. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Is, you know. So here's what I've been thinking. I've been thinking more and more that we have a lot of people in fashion now, and I'm talking about designers, stylists, but also uh, writers, bloggers, journalists and whatnot who actually don't care about fashion. Uh, Let let me unpack that. They don't care about fashion design because they don't talk about it. What they care about is glamour. And by glamour, I mean being adjacent to a celebrity and somehow hoping that glow will, you know, rub off on them and Mm -hmm. they will also feel fabulous. Yeah. Or they care about the scene and being on the scene or they care about shopping, you know, and, and they think they care about fashion because they love dressing themselves and they love shopping. So more and more, that's what I'm thinking, because we don't have a lot of conversation about fashion design. We, we have a conversation. This celebrity wore this, this celebrity wore that. And I'm like, I'm like, are we that old? That are we like that? We don't give a fuck about the celebrity circus i mean do people not understand that it's all absolutely managed that these celebrities have no taste that these there is no genuine everything is sponsored yeah like everything is managed it's all throwing money everywhere to get people to it's brainwashing you know, and yeah. and that's why it's so ironic to have somebody like Demna say condemning the spectacle 
condemning mm-hmm. the circus when, in fact, for seven years, he was a huge part of it. Yeah. He was a huge part of the spectacle. And the people he associated himself with were also in the spectacle the whole time, you know? So exactly. it's ridiculous. And, uh, but, but in a way, it's funny because he still wants to be taken you know, he still wants to be considered like a serious designer. And that's the thing. It's like, and it's an interesting lesson because at the end of the day, can you have it both? You know, can you be part of the spectacle and be respected by your peers as well? That's an interesting question, I think, because Mm. for me, you can't go from the spectacle (laughs) to the respect. It doesn't work. You know, you're not believable. You're not credible. Yeah. And I think that's a yeah. very interesting uh, lesson, you know, yeah. with this whole But, you know, they're going to do their best to, and all the editors are going to fall in line. They've already fallen in line. Uh, I mean, like, Kathy Horan loved that Balenciaga collection. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and, I mean, people talking about a reset, there was absolutely no reset there. He basically yeah. showed exactly the same clothes, which, which in a way also proves that you know he said what he had to say it's kind of over now the whole thing is dried up i mean stylistically there's nothing new there yeah and stripping the set down and just showing it at the carousel du louvre which used to be the traditional place where all the big designers showed intense you know it it doesn't help either it doesn't make the clothes look better and i Mm -hmm. felt that the messages that the clothes delivered They've been delivered already. We know what these messages are. There's nothing new there. And I think that show actually made the clothes, in my opinion, look weaker than ever. Yeah. You know? Uh, Yeah. Again, because there was no spectacle surrounding the clothes. You know? Mm -hmm. There was no mud. There was no blue set. There was no whatever. So this is what you have. You know? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. What saddens me is how easily the editors are impressed you know like they all went for that and i'm like really are we so starved of well we are so starved of quality fashion that that this is like you are impressed by that oh damn let's strip down the runway and it made it all about the clothes blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but what about the clothes? We've seen the clothes so many times. Yeah. And I, and I kind of get that. And, you know, I, I, I didn't hate the collection per se. I was like, okay, you know, there's like some cool tailoring, even uh, some cool silhouettes. Uh, I didn't like this new proposition where it was all inflated and it looked like your teacher took you by the scruff of your neck and was like carrying you out of the classroom, (laughs) dragging you out of the classroom. um, But again, yeah, we've seen it all. And there were these, like the the tricks that he used with tailoring. I was like, this was like Anne Valerie Hash from like 25 years ago. Of course, no one will remember that. You know, remember where she put like the 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 waistband as a color mm-hmm. uh, of the tailoring it was yeah. like uh, of course no one will remember this but fine no but know. we've seen that kind of deconstruction again and again and done better before you know yeah. so yeah. again there's nothing new there but I, I actually you know I feel in a strange way that this show was about fear and mm. that you know he basically there's something going on there, you know. Uh, I think a lot of people are freaking out. I think they're scared they're going to lose their jobs 
because mm-hmm. the brand is not making the money that it should be making. Right. Um, this ad scandal with the kids is still something that is referred to today. People are not forgetting anything about that, and mm-hmm. they keep talking about it. So they didn't manage to kill this story. They, they can't kill it. And I think it's still affecting the brand. And, and you know, I think List, uh, List published some an article this week about how Balenciaga is no longer part of their top 10 uh, searching wow. for brands. So, you know, it's it's already, it's collapsing. And I think, you yeah. know, I, I don't know what's going to happen within the next few weeks, but there will be changes for sure, you know. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I guess, well, yeah, maybe they're looking for his replacement quietly. Uh, I mean, I would be surprised if he lasts longer after this. But who knows? But the offensive, like they, they seem to be getting behind him. But I don't know if it's getting behind him or is it just protecting the brand? I think it's protecting the brand, and I think it's it's sort of showing that you know things are okay and that business is business as usual and things are normal. But do mm-hmm. they really support him that much? I mean, at the end of the day, they want to make money. You know, they want to yeah, make more course. money. And look at what happened with Michele. You know. He just they mm-hmm. just let him go. They don't care. So they don't really yeah. care about the person. I mean, they care about yeah. the shareholders and what the shareholders yeah. think. But sure, 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 sure. You know, it's um, on that level. It's such a mass product mm-hmm. that. Uh, but what I find what I find interesting, Eugene, is that it seems to me that this shock value, cynical. I'm laughing at you fashion is kind of over now. I really have the feeling that now the I consumer so. has had enough. The consumer has had enough. And yeah. you know, we, we're looking for something else. We're looking for something yeah. that feels more authentic, you know, than, I really than another so. joke. Yeah. So I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, if we can get out of this with a new, newly found belief for great clothing, then that would be wonderful, you know, if we come out yeah. of it like that. Yeah. <laughs> More Dries, less Damna, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, like put somebody like Dries at a couture house, put someone like Glenn at a couture yeah. house, you know, because Glenn has respect. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he produced a, a fantastic white project show. It was really beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, I would love to see Glenn at Givenchy. I would love to see Glenn at yes. Balenciaga. I would love to see Glenn at Dior doing couture. It would be amazing, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why why not get somebody like that? I mean, he's a, he's a proper designer. And that's the yeah. thing that annoys me, you know? It's yeah. these people are not promoted. You know, yeah. they don't get the yeah. big houses. They don't, you know? So it's yeah. what's going on here. Yeah, it may change. It may change because maybe you're right. You know, hopefully this like hype era maybe is coming to an end. I don't know. I don't know. Like, there's so many conflicting messages right now. Um, but I think it will shake out in the maybe in two three years. We'll yeah. see yeah. what's going to happen. Um. So part of the charm offensive that Balenciaga launched was the New Yorker profile of Demna, which came out uh, last week. Yeah. Um, and what did you think of the article? I thought it was very, very interesting because what I took from it, it was very well researched, actually, you know, mm-hmm. um, 
But what I took from it was that feeling of ambivalence towards them now uh, from the writer that you couldn't tell if the writer wanted to condemn him or at the same time um, be find some sort of redemption. I don't know, it was kind of ambiguous because I felt that yeah. sometimes she was making fun of him and other times she was trying to portray him as a vulnerable figure or as an earnest mm -hmm. figure. And I felt that was kind of interesting, her own ambivalence towards him, yeah. how she felt. Uh, so I didn't really see it as a, as a PR piece for the brand. I thought it was more mm -hmm. complex than that. Uh, but there were moments where, of course, I didn't agree with what she wrote. And yeah. there were other parts where I thought, oh, this is interesting. You know, she really nailed down some of the contradictions. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, what did you think about it? I mean, I'd be curious to know what your um, thoughts were. I, I felt similarly to you, but more, I had a more negative reaction. Um, I know that writer. I, I followed her work for a while. She's mm -hmm. not a fashion writer. Okay. Um, and I think he's been able to charm her more than not and of course being the new yorker we knew it wasn't going to be a path piece mm -hmm. but it was i thought she well first of all i thought she interviewed all the wrong people for it i was like really like you new yorker you could have had access to like pretty much like any like all the best fashion critics and like mm -hmm. you you you, <laughs> you know you you went for What's the guy who does YouTube videos? Loic Oh, Loic Prigion. Yeah. Like, that's the guy you interview for New Yorker? <laughs> like, that's the... Why not style not come? You yeah, know, maybe you should yeah. have interviewed him. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only good quote was from Linda Lapa, where she was like, he was not a star student by any means, but yeah. look what happened. Um and what also bothered me is that she did she really did not explore the disconnect between what he shows on the runway mm -hmm. and what's in stores yeah like she touched upon it really lightly and i was like wait a minute this is this is the center of the brand you can't ignore that and i really fucking hated the photos they that went with the article mm -hmm. because they concentrated just on this like runway cool stuff and the photos was so selective and i was like really that's what you photograph like that's not that's not the brand mm. this is what the brand this is what demna wants you to see yeah he wants you to think that he's this master of uh, couture, he's a real talented designer. And, and I'm like, that's what you photographed? No, like go into the store and, and look at all the shitty hoodies and t-shirts and like photograph that. Like I really, yeah. the photography that went with the article really rubbed me the wrong way. But don't um, you think that in a way it also, it seems like a desperate attempt to restore some kind of credibility? Oh yeah, you know, 100%. And that and that because of this, I have the feeling that people look at Demna now and everybody has their version of who Demna is, but he's not credible anymore as a designer. And, you know, people, there were so many mistakes in communication and there were so many missteps and so many things that were contradictory 
that now when Demna says something, I don't think people take him seriously. I really have this feeling that, you know, it's over, you know, mm. and that you cannot, you cannot come back and say, oh, well, no, I want you to take me seriously now. You right. know, I'm no yeah. longer hanging out with all the clowns from the circus. I want mm -hmm. you to look at me and take me seriously. Yeah. No, it, it's not going to work, you know, yeah. and I don't know. I just feel it's kind of, it's kind of sad. Also, this yeah. whole thing. What what is it that he's looking for? What is it that he wants? You know. Well, yeah, he wants, like you said, he wants to be taken seriously. But it's like you also say, it's too late. And also, yeah. you've built the brand on that. Yeah, yeah, on entertainment, and, cynicism, and shock value. That's that's what yeah. you did. So and, you, you're not going to go back to anything else. That's it. You mm -hmm, know? Yeah, mm -hmm, yeah. And to go and and to go back to that, you have to be really fucking talented designer. And I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> there's not He's enough not. stuff there. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And in a way, it's but it's also an interesting thing because do we expect designers? We do expect designers to come up with fresh things all the time. But don't you think that you know some of them are just one trick ponies and they have one yeah. thing to say yeah. and yeah. you can say it like for twenty times and then it's over, you know? Mm -hmm. And then there's nothing else to say. That's it. It's dead. It's over. Yeah. And and I don't know. It, it's an interesting moment. You know, there are a lot of people leaving houses and a lot of things are changing. Some new talents are coming. Some of them are quite good. So, yeah. you know, it's it's like an interesting moment right now. I think things can really go into a new direction. For example, I'll give you an example. The Ferragamo collection by Maximilian Davis, I mm -hmm. thought it was beautiful. You yeah, know? that and was really good. That was so was much better than the first one. So much better. And I think it was a very strong attempt at making minimalism relevant. Mm -hmm. And everything looked like it was beautifully made, high quality. It was desirable, but at the same time, it was real again. You know, it had a, it had a kind of genuine character to it. And I think it's brilliant. I mean, this is a guy in his 20s who's designing that. Yeah. It's great, you know? So I, I yeah. have hope when I see collections like that. I think, okay, there are young designers who have respect for the craft, who are really mm -hmm. trying to come up with great clothes, and they're not egomaniacs, you know, uh, right. surrounded with celebrities. They are focused yeah. on the work. So that's nice. Yeah. 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 Um, what did you think of Rick? It's funny, you know, because I was thinking about Rick uh, today and thinking he's actually one who can do spectacular, but it's real at the same time. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that, you know, however extreme his vision is for the season and however dramatic he gets, um, it, feels, it feels authentic. And I just think that, you know, at the end of the day, he would probably wear every single garment that he designed, yeah. you know? I mean, I, that's the thing with Rick. Like, everything is infused with his own soul and his personality. And I think yeah. whether you like it or not, whether you wear it or not, there's an aura around mm -hmm. the things that he creates. And yeah. I think that's the strength of his own personality, his taste, his experiences as a person, you know, where he comes from because he's a survivor as well. Yeah. 
And you know, there's nothing, he never produces things that are mundane or banal or ordinary. Mm -hmm. It always has his own twist. And I think the last collection was, there were some super beautiful pieces, you know, I mean, yeah. sadly, yeah. I didn't get to see it, but you know, it's uh, definitely technically exciting to look at, yeah. you know, I think. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I thought it was very cool. Um, and again, uh, to me, it was enough differentiation to say, like, yeah, this is this is really cool. He's really made his own language. Um, but you know what I really love and where I saw progression from, like, a signature was Sakai. Mm -hmm. I think, and that is hard to do. Whereas, like, sometimes with Rick and even with Glenn, I'm starting, like, I'm like, okay, We've seen these ideas many, many times. Yeah. How do you progress from that? And maybe it is time to progress from that. And I think Chitose Abe is doing that at Sakai. Like the last couple of seasons, you've, we've seen the real progression. Mm -hmm. And in this collection was so beautiful, so elegant and very Sakai, but you can see that she's progressing. Yeah. And again, she's not a designer that, is about fame you know she she hardly gives interviews she, yeah. she's not that visible you know and um, she just lets the clothes do the talking i mean they're strong enough and mm -hmm. sometimes we need to be reminded of that you know that this yeah. is what designers are supposed to deliver exactly uh, you know and yeah exactly. just the ta her talent shines through the clothes yeah and, and that's and it. she's doing very well and there is proof that you can do excellent design and sell it. Yeah. Because the brand is doing very, very, very well. It's all over Japan. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's... Um, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's no, almost it's, like it's, the Phoebe Philo of Japan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And this new collection, I was just like, it was a joy to look at. What was enjoyed to look at was Louis Vuitton. <laughs> I mean, again, okay, what is going on? What is that all about? I mean, it's what? really, I, I don't understand. I mean, what Nicola is doing there, uh, again, there is no reality behind it. None of it is produced. Yeah. Uh, on the red carpet, when it's worn, it looks horrible. I mean, it looks mm -hmm. ridiculous on most people because you just can't get away with it. I, I really don't know. I mean, for me, it's um, it's just about clothes becoming the accessories of the accessories. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just farcical. It's a joke. I mean, there's nothing. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's time as well that Vuitton change that. I mean, that they put somebody new because it's getting tired right now. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's another enough young talent out there to 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 try their hand at Louis Vuitton. Yeah, and what you know, he could launch his own brand. Maybe that would be more exciting. I mean, that's what Phoebe Philo is doing now. Mm -hmm. She will be launching yeah. her own brand this year. And that's that's probably what he could yeah. do. But I think again, like what do you take out of all that he designed for women at Vuitton? I mean if I ask you, can you isolate five key looks, you couldn't find anything. No. I mean, it's no. instantly forgettable, you know, and there's a problem yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. No. Yeah. 
all I remember is tennis skirts, and I'm like, I don't want <laughs> yes. to see that. I mean, compared to <laughs> what he did for Balenciaga, which is really iconic, and people yes. are collecting it, and people remember every collection being very separate and having a a real story. Yeah. Uh, this Vuitton stuff is just, you know, it's yeah. just window dressing for the bags. I mean, yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, we forgot one important show to discuss. <laughs> uh, Daniel Lee's uh, debut at Burberry. Oh, my God. What was that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have to talk about Bottega as well, because I don't understand why everybody is raving about Bottega, but maybe you can tell Same. me. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Burberry was, it's kind of what I said about Saint Laurent earlier, that Saint Laurent succeeds because it has a very strong line and a point of view and it's confident. I felt that the Burberry collection had no confidence, that it was like all over the place, uh, trying to be a bit Celine-ish, you know, with like the fake fur and all these weird accessories, um, I mean, it's a difficult brand because it has no codes of its own, you know, and people go to Burberry mostly for trench coats, for outerwear, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe a few accessories, but that's it. It's not like Hermes that has a real story and there is craft behind mm-hmm. it and artisans, etc. So how is he going to be able to build a story mm. at Burberry that works, you know? And I think yeah. he's, that show was... A lot of it was mediocre and it just kind of, I don't know what he was going for really. Some stuff was bizarre. It looked like vintage Westwood. Other things were also like very 80s. Um, so I don't know. I, I I don't see it being relevant at all. So it was a bit of a yeah. missed a missed thing. Uh, yeah. I I agree. I, I thought it was all over the place, completely incoherent mm-hmm. and... I just kept going to his Bottega debut, and that was so strong. It was that so it focused. Immediately, yeah, Im- yeah. yeah, exactly, focused. It yeah. was focused, and this was so not focused. And I actually have to disagree with you. I, I do think that the trench coat is the story, right? Mm-hmm. And the heritage is the story. So there is a story to build on. Like, you know, if that was Junior, he would splice that fucking trench coat 150 ways and put it all on the runway and it would make an absolutely killer collection. And I kind of thought, oh, I wonder if he's going to do that, you know, going to take the trench coat and knock this British stuffing out of it, literally, and make it modern. And he did nothing that, I mean, that sort. would be exciting in design terms, but... If you think about what Roberto Menichetti did at Burberry uh, Mm -hmm. more than 20 years ago, he did a lot of that. I mean, he was coming from Jill Sander and he did very beautiful pieces that were technically super exciting around this idea of deconstructing the trench. But I don't think the trench code is enough. I really think that, Mm -hmm. you know, what Daniel Lee tried to do is take this sort of horse logo and place it on a few things trying to find ways to brand Burberry, you know, in obvious ways. It doesn't really work. So they're going to have to find signatures besides the trench that can become iconic or emblematic of the brand. And they still cannot get to that point. So it's, um, I'm curious to see what he's going to do. But Ricardo Tichy had the same problem. 
yeah. mean, his collections for Burberry were, didn't feel relevant. Terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I, uh, I truly think this was a management problem and not a Ricardo problem. Mm -hmm. Because you saw the last couple collections were very Ricardo. Whereas yeah. before, you were like, what is this? <laughs> you yeah. throwing everything at the wall and seeing what will stick. Like, it's not... Yeah, because, That's you know, if I work. think about Christopher Bailey, I think he did better collections than Ricardo Tucci. I mean, you know, you look at the right? garments and, and Christopher it, Bailey did beautiful things yeah, for Burberry. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. they're very respectful of Burberry. And they've, yeah. they're actually garments you can wear today. They're quite timeless, you know. So mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love the Prosum line he did. Like, it yeah. wasn't for me, but I loved looking at it. It's yeah, it was very beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, and definitely. very well received. Yeah, and it's mm -hmm. kind of... <laughs> nothing makes you wish, like, back for that as, like, other people coming in and doing much worse job. And <laughs> yeah. you're like, well, that was really good, actually. Why did we stop that? <laughs> But it, you know, it's this, you were talking about a lack of coherence. I agree completely. And that's sort of what bugs me also with Bottega. You know, people were raving about how amazing it was. But for me, it's like trying to, to be too many things at the same time, you know, and mm -hmm. there are things that look like Raph Simons and there are things that look like old Margiela and there are things that look yeah. like Prada. I mean, it's, it's bizarre and it's like this mix yeah. of everything. Again, why do people rave about it? I, I don't know. I, I I don't either. I I mean, I have a lot of goodwill towards Matthew Blizzy. I always want him to succeed. You know, Peter Millier, his partner, same thing. I, I always root for them. Yeah. But I'm also having trouble finding a coherent through line that makes a strong statement like, okay, he's making a lot of statements about the craft, mm -hmm. but it's almost seems kind of solipsistic and navel, navel gazing, navel yeah. gazing. And not, it, it's almost like not seeing the forest for the trees. Like he's concentrating on the trees too much. And it's like, oh, and look at this amazing fabric and look at this amazing treat, treatment. And yeah, cool. Like it's all there. Yeah. But they, doesn't amount to a coherent aesthetic statement that a collection should make. It doesn't. But one thing that it has strangely, and I think that's a positive thing, it has a celebratory, celebratory quality. Like, I mean, what you're saying about the craft and how I think it's his own wonderment at things in a way that this energy that he has or his excitement towards certain things, he manages to communicate that, I guess, but mm -hmm. we still don't have a stylistic vocabulary that is focused enough or, you know, uh, defined enough to understand what yeah. the signatures of Bottega are. And I felt that with Daniel Lee, it was very clear from the very first yeah. collections. We're like, yeah. okay, that's the boots, that's the leather coat, that's this shape of yeah. knitwear. Yeah. It's that kind of dress. It was very clear, you know? Yeah. And I feel that yeah. with Mathieu, it's just kind of all over the place. And also some of it looks a bit bourgeois, you know, a bit kind of oh, like, yeah. yeah, very, and not in a good way. Not in a good mm -hmm. way. Yeah, yeah. Mm. No, I agree. And and also, like, to me, the most, like, why I say, like, solipsistic and navel-gazing, it's like, 
oh, we're going to make these jeans. They're going to look like jeans, but they're actually leather and they're going to cost $10,000. Yeah. And I'm like, but it still looks like jeans and a white t-shirt on the runway. And it's actually a little bit perverted. Yeah, and then we put Kate Moss in that outfit trying to sell it as something iconic, but it's not, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I'm kind of like, I don't, you, you're trying to make something really, really expensive and make it look cheaper. Like, it's just a little bit, it doesn't sit well with me a little bit. No, and a lot of people did that before, and, and it's, you know, what's yeah. new about that? I mean, this kind of yeah. perversion thing. You know? Yeah. I mean, but, you know, we know what I really loved, and this is a note I want to end on because to me it was a really positive note. When all those sycophantic reviews came out about Burberry, how amazing it was, the people were in revolt. Because I was really, I was reading comments like under business of fashion and under high snobiety, like okay, forget Vogue. Like we know they're gonna write a good review. Like that 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 doesn't Vogue doesn't even count anymore because we everybody knows yeah, they're lying through this. It's all paid it's for. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's all paid for. But even like with BOF and high snobiety, like like the people were in revolt. It, 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 they were like. What the fuck are you talking about? This yeah. I like there were literally comments like, Do you have eyes? Like, are you <laughs> you know, like I have eyes and I'm seeing this this is this is bullshit. And it was an interesting reversal to me because it was the press who used to have authority because you know we're we're supposedly like trained journalists with a trained eye with an education experience of looking at fashion so the media was supposed to pass down judgment and now like the audience doesn't trust them and now it's the audience who is saying like no you're full of shit no 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 i mean it's definitely happening and what i really like is that you use the world the, the word uh, revolt mm. you know and I've been thinking a lot about anger lately and how angry people are in general. I mean, this is an angry time that we're living in, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think social media also, you know, uh, I mean, uh, social media is also something that divides people and that creates, I think, more inequalities in a way. But yeah, it, it was it was funny, this this thing that people are angry and they're demanding better fashion. Yes. You know, they're demanding something that is, um, that is on a higher level. And it's funny because on the one hand, you have the ones that are clapping at the spectacle and they're amused by it. And on the other, you have people who are just denouncing it as yeah. something fake, as something that has no value. And, you know, those voices, they're becoming stronger and they're growing. And I think that resentment has something positive in it because it's about getting better fashion, better clothes, yeah. you know? I agree 100%. I, and that was like, um, not to make it about me, but uh, last last year, some a small magazine interviewed me, Rain Magazine, mm -hmm. and was a very nice piece. I was very flattered. 
but I love the title and the title was, you know, like Eugene Rapkin wants you to demand better fashion. And I, and I <laughs> thought, yeah, that is exactly, that is exactly right. Like, that is exactly what I want. Yeah. Like, and that is exactly the point of what you and I do. Yeah. Like we want people to demand better fashion because yeah. we love fashion as a discipline. Yes. And I feel that now there are more people who are like, I feel it in, I don't know if you feel it in your own writing, but I definitely feel like with the response to my own writing over the past year and a half, I've definitely felt like um, a resurgence of interest and Mm -hmm. more of like rooting and people reaching out to me on Instagram all the time. And like, thank you for existing. Like, thank you for saying something like we, we, so we know we're not fucking crazy where when we see like everyone is spouting this bs about how everything wonderful is where we're seeing with their with our own eyes that it's not it's completely true but you know that's that's what i keep saying about the spectacle is that it's it's oppressive you know and in a way it forces everyone to get involved and that's what the circus is you know and and how do you not become a fool yourself? How do you keep a sense of integrity, a sense of honesty, a sense of what you think great fashion is? And, yeah. and, and you know, it's funny because I feel really positive about this now. I feel that there's actually a lot of people who think like us. And me they too. Are around. Yeah. Yeah, and me too. Know, I haven't felt this positive in a while, actually. I'm like, I'm no, very but I do. I, I see it, and it's it's very touching, and it's very rewarding, and it's also very encouraging to feel that you are understood, you know, and that sometimes yeah. somebody will just say, "Well, thanks for ex- expressing this the way that you did," because that's how I feel, yes. you know. And I think that's the biggest compliment that you can yeah. get from a person. Yes, uh, when you manage to encapsulate that feeling, but you know, that feeling is is anger, it's frustration, it's resentment, but you can turn it into a positive force. And I think, you know, that's, that's how I feel about the way things could change or become in the future, you know, improve in terms of quality. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, it's also about people being fed up of like fashion, trying to pull wool over their eyes and their intelligence insulted. I think it's really that people yeah. are sick of having their intelligence insulted and consistently being lied to. Um, Completely. And we see that. Yeah. And this is like, and, and also just fashion journalism, just debasing itself to, you know, like, and this is why I had to write this like style, not come article where I'm like, everyone knows it's bullshit. Everyone says it's bullshit. Everyone in fashion says it's bullshit. But you know what I thought was interesting because uh, I read it and actually I thought when immediately after I read it, I thought about the people that are exactly not like them, you know, mm-hmm. about the people who are also in the same landscape, but who are acting completely differently and who actually prove that you can be in fashion and be reflective and be critical and be intelligent, you know? Yeah. And I'm not going to let these people bother me at all, you know? No, I'm actually going no. to ignore them. No. Because I it's think, not worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it. And that's kind of a little bit how I feel about Demna now. You know, when I talk to students, 
uh, at juries and ask which designer is influencing them at the moment, they all mention Glenn. They don't mention them now. That's so great. So something is happening, you know? Yeah. And I really believe that, um, as you said, that people are much more critical than what we think. Yeah. You know? And that's very reassuring. Yeah, it uh, is. And I, yeah. I would love to take a moment here to encourage younger journalists to like to to write more intelligently, more critically, and not to be afraid exactly. Uh to criticize and, and forget like and just yeah, just forget this whole like, oh, you're just being negative, you're a hater. No, there's there's a big difference between criticism and hate. They're completely different things. And it's, it's really great to see that, yeah, there are people now more and more who are voicing their opinions saying, no, we're not going to, you're not going to insult our intelligence and pull We'll overrise. We want better. We demand better. And yeah. And and another research, another area where I see that is this resurgence of uh, vintage fashion, interest mm -hmm. in vintage fashion, where I truly think there are a lot of young people who feel like they've missed out on yeah. the golden era of fashion, and they yes. want to recapture that. Definitely. Definitely. And you know, it's, it's funny what you say about criticism, because I remember when I was, uh, when I was writing my PhD, which is one of the most depressing PhDs ever written. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's all about critique and there's no solution in what I'm offering. I'm yeah. just deconstructing everything. I remember my, my supervisor always telling me, but critique in itself is a contribution you know, exactly. to knowledge and exactly. that you don't even need to offer a way forward because critique is the first step towards that, you know, exactly. and if we don't critique, then we don't get to the second step. Exactly. And, um, you know, I've had people like, uh, I don't know if you know, Bliss Foster, if you met him. Sure, sure. Yeah, I know. He, you know, he came to speak to me a couple of times in Paris, like, uh, you know, in between shows we were chatting and it was really nice to have someone like him younger from another generation mm -hmm. like talk to me and realize that we have a lot of things in common and that we care about the same things and you know it was bizarre for me as well because yeah. you know i'm much older in a way but i realized that we have the same concerns you know mm -hmm. when it comes yeah. to fashion so there's something about that which is interesting you know yeah about that new wave of uh, of fashion uh, critics yeah yeah so let's end on that positive note and we both encourage you to all to demand better fashion <laughs> and to and to be critical of bad fashion yes and to be critical and not be afraid to voice your to voice your opinion yes uh because we really have to put up you know we have to make a front we have to put up a like create our own front and be a counterweight to to all the <laughs> sick of fancy and yeah and because we care and at the end of the day if exactly. we care then we demand it and it's fair you know and we've been in this business long enough to be in the position to ask for that so it's totally yeah. okay yeah yeah agreed cool well philippe thank you so much thank you eugene for for joining us again it was another another great episode 
Um, until the next time. Yes. Thanks for Bye. lifting us up. Yes. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Styles Like Guys podcast, hosted by Eugene Rapkin, produced by Patrick Leduc. Intro and outro music by Wesley Isolt of Cold Cave. Please support us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Styles Thank you for listening. <laughs>